Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the headlines have been centered around President Biden's forgiveness program for college student loans. That's been the headlines for a number of weeks now. It's been part of very crucial Democratic campaigns across the country. And after months of carve-outs and rule changes to supposedly avoid some of those legal challenges that might get in the way, a federal court now says, not so fast. And now we have a pause. What comes next? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, a federal court temporarily halts Biden's President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. And so we want to dig into that. Uh, why was it blocked? How was it blocked? What does that mean for millions of students who want to apply or receive that relief? And what happens because of that constantly shifting goalpost? Does it undermine confidence uh, in the government? How does it impact the president politically? What does it mean over the next 15 days as we march our way towards the midterms? And to help us break all of that down and unravel it all in 30 seconds or less, uh, Eric Bame joins us from Reason. He's a reporter at Reason.com and Reason Magazine. And Eric, we'll give you more than 30 seconds, but I'm sure you could pull it off if you had to. Uh, but first, just walk us through where are we? One court said that's OK. Let it ride. Appeals to the federal level. And they say not so fast. Yeah, Boyd, thanks for having me. As always, um, I work well on deadlines, but I'm not sure about that one. That's a little tight. Uh, we'll do our best. Uh, as your listeners are probably aware, this is uh, the, the student loan forgiveness program policy is, uh, is something that the, the Biden administration announced uh, more than a month and a half ago now. And it's been uh, the subject of a lot of debate, as you said. And then there's been a number of different legal challenges brought to it, although it's uh, we can get into some of this. It's, it's difficult to sort of attack this through the court system. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, not, not really sure where these are going. The the first sort of very, very small victory here for the opponents of the of the student loan forgiveness program happened on Friday night when uh, it was the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, out of St. Louis that issued a stay, an administrative stay on the policy. Uh, all that really means is that the White House can't begin, like, the process of forgiving loans. They can't really mm-hmm. take any additional steps uh, which they they were not ready to do anyway. The first loans were not going to be uh, even for people who have already applied. There was not going to be any forgiveness uh, finalized until November. So it's not like this is really stopping anything that was necessarily imminent. But what the Eighth Circuit Court 
of Appeals wants to do is they want to look at some of these substantial issues. Uh, they were getting this on appeal the, the day before, on Thursday of last yeah. week. A federal district judge in the Eighth Circuit had uh, reviewed one of the challenges of the student loan to the student loan forgiveness program and had concluded that there are some serious issues here that the courts should look at, but ultimately said that the, the people who had brought the challenge didn't have standing. And so now it looks like the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals is going to review this question of standing, which you have to resolve before you can even get to the actual uh, underlying issue. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah, and so that, that's kind of the interesting thing is who who has standing, who's actually been negatively impacted by this or could be negatively impacted by this. Right. Uh, that, that is the, the real test in terms of the standing question. Uh, and so what so what happens next? So the Eighth Circuit obviously has that now. Do they have some kind of time frame? What are we expecting to see next? Yeah, it's going to be uh, probably a couple of weeks in the Eighth Circuit. I guess we should just check a couple other boxes here. Uh, some things that you mentioned at, at the beginning, like what does this mean for people who are applying for loan forgiveness? What does it mean for the program? The White House says that, you know, this this stay doesn't really change anything. I mean, it certainly is not anywhere close to being a, a ruling on the merits and uh, the White House says that people can continue to apply to have their debts forgiven um, and that they will continue to take applications, all of that. Like none of that part of the process is blocked by this uh, ruling. Uh, basically, all this means is that the court just wants to take a deeper look at uh, at first this question of standing. And, and that's a tricky legal thing. I'm not a lawyer. I've had a couple lawyers <laughs> explain it to me, and I'm still not sure that I really fully understand this idea of standing. Uh, it, in some cases, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, if if you physically harm me in some way or you steal something from me or whatever right i have i have standing because i have been harmed and i can go to the court and you have to you have to establish two things you have to say i have been harmed and you have to show how the legal process can fix that harm uh and and so that is the tricky thing in this case because it's not as simple as saying uh you know oh this person hurt me and and i am yeah. due justice from them uh because it's not immediately clear who is harmed here um, even though, like, in a broad sense, all taxpayers are paying for this uh, or, you know, the cost of it is getting added to the national debt. So we're all being harmed in some small way. But the, the administration seems to have sort of found a, a way to make the case that, you know, well, no one's actually hurt by this. Um, and, and that's something that I think the, the district court judge, you know, is is correct, I think, in saying there are substantial constitutional and legal questions mm. about whether the White House can unilaterally decide to forgive up to $20,000 in student loans. There are, there are serious issues there. But who gets to bring that question <laughs> to the court is the, is the tricky the thing, and that's not been resolved yet. That's what this will hopefully resolve. Yeah. And so uh, obviously that's going to push us past uh, the uh, November 8th election. Uh, both sides are yeah. obviously still talking this up in a significant way. I think there's the, you know, what this is actually going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $400 billion or more. Uh, there's uh, the idea of executive order in terms of and rule in terms of how that gets uh, played out, what that means. And, and again, who has standing? Is that an American people? Do we all have standing? Because we're all going to be paying for that. 
Uh, and so as you look at this kind of next phase of it, what, what is the messaging strategy going to be? One for the White House. Uh, what does it mean for Republicans as we look at uh, these these battles as we march towards November the 8th? Yeah, of course. I don't think this really derails anything from the White House's perspective, right? Their goal mm-hmm. was to to do something big for a group that is largely a Democratic constituency, right? College grads with student loan debts uh, overwhelmingly, uh, you know, are, are, you know, young professionals who are, you know, more or less expected to be Democratic voters. So this is a pretty nakedly partisan giveaway to, you know, people that are expected to vote Democratic. And I think the White House and, and Democrats in general will still be able to run on that uh, because I don't think this will be resolved before November. Um, I think for Republicans, this isn't really something, honestly, that a lot of Republican candidates seem to be talking about. But to me, it seems like the obvious way uh, to to attack this is not really through the court system for the reasons we just talked about. Yeah. But honestly, this is this is something that Congress should take a, a more proactive role here in saying, you know, well, wait a minute, the, the president can't just make these sorts of $400 billion uh, decisions without consulting with Congress. The Biden administration tries to justify this by saying they have the legal authority because of some pandemic emergency orders kind of layered on top of some post 9-11 laws that were passed that allowed the president to forgive student loans for first responders. Uh, None of that, I don't think, seriously holds water. You know, whether it does in a legal context, you know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but it certainly doesn't pass the smell test. Um, And that's the sort of thing where, like, in a a more functional country, I think you would have Congress saying, uh, you know, we're going to go do something about this, you know, elect Republicans so we can go stop the Biden administration from from blowing uh, 400 billion dollars on this on this nakedly partisan giveaway to Democratic voters. Uh, but you're not really you're not really getting that messaging. <laughs> Republicans are too busy talking about, you know, a lot of other things. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, fascinating stuff. Eric James, a reporter at Reason.com and Reason Magazine. Always great thinking, always great writing. Eric, appreciate you weighing in on uh, all of that. Uh, we'll continue to watch the ravel and unravel that is the student loan forgiveness program uh, in the days ahead. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Boyd. All right, that's Eric Baim again, and uh, I, I think this is so interesting to look at uh, because there is a, a legal component to this, and you do have those in the court saying, well, I'm not sure anyone has standing, so yes, we think there are constitutional problems with what the president did. Uh, we're not sure if this single individual or this group can bring that to the court or where that should happen, and I think Eric got it right in saying, look, the, the real answer to this is Congress. Is Congress doing their job. Uh, because if a president can make a $400 billion-plus uh, decision on his own, it uh, doesn't matter what the political party is. Uh, the American people should have standing and should have the ability to weigh in on that decision. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie.
now available anywhere you get your podcasts.